Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Good morning, Lisa. Happy Tuesday, and welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, episode 59. 59. Yay for us. That's so exciting. Um, So today we are going to be having a really interesting conversation. And I wanted to start out by asking you, Melissa, has your family ever watched a movie that unknown to you was just laced all the way through with adoption, loss, foster care themes that ended up being really triggering for your kids? Fortunately, except for one of our kids, we're not super triggerable. Is that even a word? But I will say that my husband and I watched the new movie called Overcomer recently, and it's put out by the Kendricks brothers who are believers and they make really family friendly movies. And they're usually about a sports team or an athlete who is an underdog and kind of has this transformation. So there was nothing in the previews or the summary or anything like that that suggested that this movie should be watched with caution. And honestly, I would have had no trouble taking my kids to it. We didn't take our kids because we were going on a date night, but there was nothing like red flaggy about it at all. And it turns out that there are a ton of different themes and things that happen that would could totally be triggering for an adoptive or foster family. It turns out the girl has been estranged from her birth parents and there's this other family who kind of takes her in and there's some like undermining, all kinds of things, right? And you would just never know on the surface. You would totally be blindsided if you didn't know. Well, it's probably a good thing you didn't just casually sit down to watch that with your kids because if you do watch it with them, and maybe you will, you can talk about some things in advance so they aren't completely like, you know, blown away. The movie that comes to mind for me, I mean, there are so many. First of all, let me preface all of this by saying that we, Russ and I have said for decades, literally, that every single Disney movie is about parents and children being separated and trying to find their way back to each other or about death of a parent. I mean, just, it's always about that. And as a first mom, as a birth mom, that's always been so triggering to me to see those movies, you know, that they're always these kids being separated from their moms. But I would say one of the ones that was most, um, had the biggest impact on our kids was Finding Nemo. I mean, for heaven's sakes. First, his mother dies in a traumatic way. And then he is separated from his father. And, and we get to watch this parallel panic, grief response of both of them as they try to find their way back to each other. I mean, that is a very triggering movie, I think. I mean, it's a wonderful movie in a lot of ways. But for our kids who've been separated from parents, or for me, I think sometimes movies like that are just really, really hard to watch because they bring up lots of feelings, lots of big feelings. Yeah. And they're, again, like very little... Now we know Finding Nemo, right? Because everyone knows the story. But when it first came out, there were very few kind of clues to us as families about that. And your typical review sites for parents are looking for different things, things that we do care about as families, but aren't specific to our families because of our histories of grief and trauma, separation, abandonment. So this week, 
I interviewed Darren Fink, who is the co-founder and project director for an organization called Transfiguring Adoption. He and his wife both have over a decade of experience working with children from hard places. They've worked overseas in orphanages. They've worked within the foster care system, and they actually have I think four kids through foster care of their own. They live in the most magic place on earth in Orlando, Florida. Darren was also named an everyday hero in 2019 by Spectrum News 13 for his work um, in transfiguring adoption. And so they have a really cool new idea and a new service that we're going to talk about in the interview and just talk about some of these issues with media and how we cannot be blindsided. So that's what he's going to share with us. One, one things that we can think about that might, that we would not have thought about would be triggering. So what are those things that we should be thinking about? And then how do we even find out if the media that our kids are experiencing has those triggers in advance so that we can have those conversations and not be blindsided? Yeah, I think it's a really great idea, and I'm looking forward to hearing the interview. Let's get to it. Well, Darren, thank you so much for coming to the Adoption Connection podcast. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. This is really exciting for me. Thank you. Well, start off by telling us a little bit about your family. Uh, You and Margie have four kiddos through foster care. You currently live near the most magic place on earth. How did you guys come to the adoption and foster care world? So, yeah, so uh, I I have been married to my wife, Margie, since 2001. And her and I, we we always had, I mean, like a lot of people that get married, we had those dreams of having a family. Um, We found out that that was not going to be possible for us, barring a miracle. So we, uh, Margie just had always had this dream and this passion to uh, pursue foster care and adoption. It was just something that she always wanted to do. And I thought it it hadn't always been a passion of mine, but the more she talked about it, I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd like, I'd love to impact a kid's a child's life in this way. So we started doing classes. This is probably around 2004, 2005. This is going on. Um, and so uh, long story short, we, uh, we passed, we, we got licensed to do foster care. We had uh, four kiddos into our house before too long. We had two sets of two different siblings. The first set uh, of siblings that were in our home were through the foster care system, purely foster care. They were not open for adoption. So we were just doing foster care at that moment. And then the journey with our other two kiddos that came into our home is they were already open for adoption. Uh, they were in the foster care system though. We, we were kind of fortunate though with, that the first four kiddos that came into our lives um, were adopted. There are a lot of families I know that talk to us about that, that heart-wrenching of having to have to see kids leave. Um, and with our first four, we, we didn't have to do that. So um, we have a unique story in that way. Now we have fostered other children and had to watch kiddos either go to a new home or go back to um, go back to their birth family. Um, and we've had, uh, yeah, the, all the emotions that go with that too. Yeah. And so did your work, cause you guys have worked in with kids from hard places in other venues and other ways did that come before after fostering. So, I mean, we, we've worked with children from hard places in several different venues. Margie's always, in some capacity, before we started foster care, has worked with kids from hard places. As soon as she left college, we, we both did internships where we were campus mentors, um, doing a campus ministry. Uh, we also, at Margie's, worked after school programs and different things with that at-risk youth. 
And then when we moved to South Korea uh, for a couple years before we had kids, uh, we, Margie and I would go help out with orphanages and she and another gal friend of hers uh, kind of led up that, that whole project and they would go into orphanages and worked with kids in South Korea. So especially, especially Margie, uh, we, we've both had some connection with at risk or kids from troubled places at some point in our lives before foster care even. Your foster parents, you're kind of getting into this world. Um, you guys run an organization called Transfiguring Adoption. And so how did that come to be? What did you feel like was missing in this foster care and adoption space? Transfiguring Adoption is, it's amazing to me that I'm even talking to you about it because it is such, it's so fluid and it's an organic movement really that I feel because it, we, we had our children and, and you know, one thing, my, my thinking and my thought process about um, kids from troubled places has, has changed so much. And one of the things that, that really quick uh, changed, which might seem like a little thing, but, but, but it really isn't, is that the kids coming into our lives didn't know how to play. Like they, they'd never been taught how to play. They, they knew how to take care of other siblings or they knew how to be the adults, but they didn't know how to enjoy themselves and be a kid and play. And so one thing that we really tried to do in our home was, was to take, to bring that fun back into their lives, show them how to play. And that included reading books to them. Side story, we took our kids to Disney World after they were all adopted. We went into Disney. We did not have fun at Disney World. Um, <laughs> they didn't know who Mickey Mouse was. Oh, no. Like they had never been introduced. To, we didn't realize that. But none of our kids had been introduced to Mickey, Donald, no one. They didn't know any of the characters. So it, that's why it was a bummer for kind of, they, the kids had fun, but it wasn't that, that big, huge experience you were expecting. But one thing that we were trying to do with them is, is read books to them. Um, and one thing that we discovered with our middle son, um, when we were all sitting around the table, we were reading uh, the Harry Potter series because we were going to go to Universal Studios in Orlando. They had all seen the movies. So we're like, hey, would you guys sit down with us and we'll just read a chapter a night. Try to get you interested in reading. Try to get you interested in imagination um, was our thought process that we're going through. The first chapter, our middle son started crying, which for a 12-year-old, that's 12-year-old boy, that's sometimes a feat because there's that whole macho, I'm not going to show any emotion. And, I'm, and our middle son also has, has trouble uh, realizing what his emotions are just from that. That's just part of his trauma story that he has trouble realizing, am I happy? Am I sad? I don't know. And so he just broke down crying. And so for us, that was a huge, huge deal that something was going on, that he's thinking something. As soon as we asked him about what was going on, he immediately started relaying stuff to us from the story, how people in the story were feeling, how that related to him. And this was huge for us, you guys, um, because this is a child that didn't show emotion or didn't know he was feeling these emotions and he had trouble with language. And all of a sudden he's communicating to us and that's huge. So that's, that's one thing that we just... We discovered that the power of media, books, movies, to be able to engage with kids, because I think that's one thing that we saw lacking in our foster care training. And some people think that I'm downing trainings and different, I'm not, there's just, you know, when you're a parent, you don't know what you don't know. You can read all the parenting books in the world, but until you have that child and birth that child, you don't know what you don't know. And so I feel like it's the same way with foster care and adoption. Like you don't know what you don't know until you're going through it. And I feel like engaging with our kids, um, trying to connect with them, bond with them, 
when they're coming to us with uh, some difficult situations is rough. And, and where do you start? Um, so we found that books and movies, we could really connect with kids in a safe atmosphere um, that was indirectly talking about characters' issues instead of saying directly saying, hey, Sally, we're going to talk about your issues today. Uh, we talked about characters' issues, and, and we've just seen some great success from that. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, I mean, it does. It is scary. I mean, you probably don't want me to sit you down, right, and ask you about all of your issues. Um, I feel like I did that with my kids early on, thinking like, you know, we needed to do this. Uh, but there is something, you know, processing it through a character who's like one step removed that is so powerful. Just for context sake, how old were your kids when they came to you and how old are they now? So when our kids came to us, uh, our youngest would have been 22 months see 22 5 9 and 10 and our kids now we've just had birthdays so hold on let me do the math here uh <laughs> we just, literally like last week we just had birthdays for two of them uh so we have 12 16 19 and 21 okay awesome and have you found that it's been trickier and trickier to keep up with kind of the storylines and the movies and the media that your older teens want to connect to. And, you know, maybe it's not what you would want to hang out and watch. I don't know. Maybe you're a cooler dad than me, but we have kids who are older teens and young adults too. And, and I want to be in the spaces and connect with them, but then sometimes like their choices, I'm like, Oh, we really have to watch this. <laughs> yes. No. So that's a, that's a huge thing. Uh, you know, talking about that, and some of it's, I just don't have the time. Like I don't, I think the older I'm getting, I once had a supervisor tell me, she said, fantastic woman. She said, look, I need you to learn this. And I'm like, oh, don't you want to be in charge of this? She's like, I really don't want to learn it. She's like, I could, I know I'm smart enough. I know I'm collected enough and I'm everything. I could do it, but I only got enough time in the day and I don't want to learn it. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what I'm getting as I get older. I don't have time. I don't want to sit down and watch. Uh, the kids were coming home with, I think it's called Markiplier. Uh, Markiplier, I probably totally butchered that. He, he does, it's a YouTuber, and he sits down and he plays horror and thriller video games. And they were asking me if we could watch them. I'm like, I, I don't. I eventually said no because I just didn't have the time and I didn't want to sit down. And I think I made the right choice, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to sit down and figure it all out. Like I just, I, I didn't have time to. And, and like what you're saying, my interests, I used to play video games all the time. I love playing video games. I've got other things that I want to pursue now um, as, as a 41 year old that I, I don't want to play video games and figure them out right now. So, but, but if I can, someone can tell me, Hey, there's this video game about two brothers that lost their family and the older brothers having to take care of the younger brother. Um, and it's kind of a codependent relationship. There's a lot like, and it can show me that there are foster care themes in it um, and show me how I can engage my kids. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk with them about it. Like if, if I can, someone can quickly tell me about it. I, I would love that, which is what some of our reviewers do. And they just blow my mind when they're able to take something that the kids are interested in and educate me on it so that I can get into their world a little bit. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about this whole like media review. How do we keep up with media? How do we do it? Because sometimes we do have to bite the bullet, right? And do something with our kids that we feel like we don't have time for or the, and that might not be like our cup of tea. But yeah. at the same time, 
you know, you have four kids, we have six kids and a grandkid. Like that's a lot of time to connect and and dive into and we're all human and we have to pay the mortgage and all the things, right? Yeah. So uh, we do, parents rely, have for years relied on media review sites to kind of help us choose what media to engage in with our kids or even to allow them to be exposed to. When you were telling the Harry Potter story, I actually thought you were going to go somewhere different with it. I actually thought you were going to tell us that your son broke down and and was kind of triggered by, right? Because Harry Potter's parent, like he's separated from his parents, right? right? Uh, So I thought maybe like that was going to be something that like blindsided, although you did say he saw the movie. So I guess that that changes. But um, talk to us about the difference like between what typical media review sites are giving us as parents and why we might want something extra than what traditional media sites are giving us because of how our kids came to us and what they may have experienced. Right. So, you know, one site um, that, that Margie and I have used when trying to look up things and trying to get an idea of, of like when we go into a movie theater, what are we going to be coming up against? Um, I know one thing that they, they're really good at showing is um, the thing I remember anyways is the swear words. Like I, I remember a site that it's like, it almost has it like timed out, like, okay, at exactly 30 minutes and 34 seconds, you're going to hear an F-bomb dropped. And I was like, wow, someone sat in the theater and is like ticking, like, so we would know when to mute it, right? <laughs> I know. I'm like, wow. And like, they have a tally of like how many F-bombs and how this word and that. I'm like, wow, someone did some homework. And that's amazing. That might, but not, that's not personally as, as a foster and adoptive parent, I have some other fish sometimes to, to, to cook up and pay attention to. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I am concerned about the language that my kids are exposed to. Uh, things like, were, were kids abandoned? Were, were kids um, taken away from their family for some reason? Um, I, I can remember the, the real action, uh, live, a- oh, live action, real action, the new Dumbo movie anyways that came out. So it came out and I just remember a lot of people just being in arms about it. I remember talking to a family saying that their kid actually had to leave the theater because here um, is this cute little baby elephant and it, he's ripped away from his mom. And while that... We- <laughs> A lot of people are like, well, you knew it was coming. It was in the cartoon. But, but one, a component that was added to that, too, was then he had to earn his way back to his mom. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, there's so many of our kids that, are, that have gone through foster care that, that they wonder, like, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to get back to mom and dad? And I'm like, are you kidding? We're going to show it in a movie. And then they pull the rug, rug out from underneath them, too. And uh, he doesn't get to go back to her. So I'm just thinking, yeah, how trauma triggering is that one? And there are, di- like, there are things where the site might explain, another site might explain violence to us. And they're looking at it as far as like the gore um, and different things like that. But they're also not looking at it as, um, so is, are there animals being abused in, in this? Because that, that can be triggering for our kids too. They, they personify an animal or they get attached to an animal. Um, again, Disney and, and different other, other filmmakers are really good at Dumbo is not a person, but they're really good at getting us to empathize for them, feel sympathy for them. And all of a sudden Dumbo in our mind is a person with different personal person traits. We, we care about what happens to this little elephant or, or a dog or a cat. 
Um, and so if they're getting abused, that's something that can trigger our kids as well. Um, and they're just, I think they're also just different layers of abuse, neglect. I've had so many people that just, when I'm talking through things with them about trauma triggers, there are things that you just, you're not thinking about until you're watching for it. And then all of a sudden it's, it's like this new world. It's almost like the matrix, like this whole new world's opened up and you're like, Oh, I didn't even know that was there. I have to watch it because if I get too, if I get too, uh, too much psychology with it, it's fascinating to me. But at the same time, there, there's a real danger that it can do some real harm to our kids if we expose them to it and then aren't prepared to walk them through once they get triggered. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I also think kind of like so many other things in the foster care and adoption world, right? You don't fully understand it. You can't wrap your head around it until you've walked it. So reviewers who have not walked with kids who have random triggers and crazy stories. I mean, there aren't movies as crazy as some of the lives that our kids have lived, right? Uh, right. Don't, wouldn't understand it, probably wouldn't know what to look for. Uh, you, it's almost can't be taught. You really do have to kind of live through it. And, and then the other, other thing is if you've brought older kids home, through foster care. I mean, quite frankly, like their lives, right? They've heard F-bombs their whole life. They've mm -hmm. witnessed violence. So it's not so much the exposure of those things like that we're trying to protect them from because a lot of them have, it's not, you know, this is not new stuff for them, right. but it's again, how it's played out in relationship, how it plays with their story. Uh, and some of those themes, it's just a different perspective. Like you said, like it's a different paradigm. Uh, we're looking for things that, are a little bit counterintuitive to the normal population. And I think you hit on something right there too. I think uh, the difference, what, what I'm trying to look at things through media is other parents that are, that, are, that are taking their birth children through a movie or a book, they're trying to protect them from certain things. Like you said, my children have already been exposed to things. So while it, there is a level of protection there, it looks a little different because I'm trying to figure out how do I walk them through in relationship and how do I, how do I walk them through this process now? You know, I'm even thinking of like the, the, the X-Men movies. Uh, there's, you're watching it with a teen. All the teens at the time when they were first coming out, they're all, it was the big movie. At one point, there's one part in it where Wolverine puts a cigar out. Professor Xavier tells him to put a cigar out while he's in the mansion and there's nowhere to put it out, so he puts it out in his hand. Everyone else, you know, no big deal. But if you're a kid that, you know, your life you'd been abused by being burned or having cigarettes burned into you, that might be a deal. This whole thing is relying on a process. It's relying on the, the parent to connect with their child, to know their child, and know how they're going to have to walk through that with their child, knowing, hey, I, I saw that in the movie. I need to make a mental note and we need to talk about that afterwards if, if they can hold on to the, if they can hold themselves together through the movie or I might need to leave the theater right now and we might need to have a talk, like depending on how severe the trauma is. Yeah, and they're good things to be mindful of because like you were talking about with your son, our kids don't always connect the dots. Sometimes they're bothered by something. Maybe they're not quite sure why they're bothered by it, or maybe they're not willing to talk about it. And so we go to a movie, we think it's fine. They don't say anything to us. And then we have like the worst five days of our lives in terms of behaviors, right? And right. we're like, what the heck happened? <laughs> what happened here? What happened? Everything was oh, so good. Everything was so good. And we like think back, you know, and sometimes we don't think like, oh, that fun family movie night we had could have been the trigger. And right. it could have been. 
Right. You know, with the introduction of video games, video games have, I, I even wrote, I wrote a social media post at, about it one time because that whole venue has changed so much with the internet getting more sophisticated and graphics getting more sophisticated. Because I can remember when everything was 8-bit and I would just <laughs> put in my Atari cartridge and we just had to, like, no problem. There's not, I mean, it was hard to reconnect a whole lot with the characters because they, they, they just didn't look realistic enough. Now everything is so realistic. And not only that, we're talking with people, we're talking with other gamers online. So that opens up a whole new level of not only am I wondering what the content is showing and if that's triggering my child, but I'm wondering what are other people saying to my kiddo that might be triggering them or it opens them up to cyberbullying and it opens them up to human trafficking. Um, without, if we're not involved with that, uh, we don't, we don't know what the game offers. Um, I had a reviewer that, I mean, it, it didn't seem like a big thing and I, it was a duh thing to me after I heard it, but they were talking about reviewing a game and they said, oh, by the way, they didn't really have anything wrong with the game. And then they said, by the way, parents are going to have to sign up for an online account with their child for this game. You will not let your child sign up for this by themselves because there is older content in there and your child will want that. And so they'll, they'll lie about their age to get to the older content. So you need to sign up an account for them to make sure, just to make sure that they're safely actually telling their correct age and you're keeping them honest. But there, there are just so many different facets to think about. And I would have never thought about that. And, and I, I love video games when I was in college and, and right out of college, just married. I love video games, but I would have never thought about that. Um, but it's just so true. It's just stuff that you don't think about. And it's, it, it's nice to, um, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about this, especially in the video game realm. And it's nice to talk to people or hear what other people are seeing through the lens of trauma because it, it alerts me to things that I didn't think about. Well, you have something for our listeners, uh, 10 questions for discovering these media triggers. So let's run through those real quickly. I was looking at it before we started and I was like, well, duh. you know, like I probably couldn't have come up with this list, but then as I'm reading it, I'm like, well, duh. But again, it's, you know, we have a lot going on in our lives. We have a lot of mental loads. So this is nice to have it thought out for us. So let's run through that real quick. Okay. So tell us the 10 things, Darren, what do we need to be looking for? So, okay. Just to run through them real quick. So uh, some of the things are going to kind of overlap, but the first thing that uh, I look through when I'm like reading any book or I'm looking at a movie or whatever is um, are children, are children or adults being abused or is there some sort of violence and how real is that? And again, I think that's different from traditional parenting where you're trying to protect your child from seeing things they've never been exposed to. With this, you're looking at it through the lens of what has my child been exposed to already and how is this going to trigger them to relive the past? It's, it's just a slightly different look on things than what traditional parenting might be looking at. Yeah, and you ask in a lot of these points, how graphic or real is it? And I think that's really important. We'll go back to Dumbo for a second. Dumbo was a little bit triggering, I think, for us all, even as a cartoon, right? And so now we've made him CGI, realistic. Uh, and I think it does up the ante 
for how triggering these things are. So I think that's a really good distinction. You know, uh, one of the video games that our kids love to play, we like the, love the Lego series, uh, like the yeah. Lego Batman, the Lego, right? And so violence is depicted in those video games as like the Lego pieces right. kind of falling apart, right? And and that seems right. to have this kind of playful, humorous thing because that happens in even our real life Legos, right? You know, kids throw them right, around absolutely. and they break apart. Um, and that doesn't feel right quite as violent as the blood and the gore or like CGI people being destroyed. So I think that's a really good distinction too. Um, sometimes we can have kind of silly, like that slapstick silly violence that we used to have with like, right. it, I mean, even the Three Stooges, they were real people, but you know, it was kind of like so over the top. Um, but I also have kids that couldn't watch things like the Three Stooges and distinguish. So I think we just have to know know our kids really well. Yeah, and I, you know, and I had a gal that she she, uh, she she's a professional in the industry, and she even like when she was looking through this list, she was like, "Yeah, spot on." She's like, "This is." She's like, "It's good to have this list because she's like, her her exact words was she's like, tar- uh, trauma is such a moving target." Mm. So, and it is, it's going to, this stuff is going to vary from child to child. Um, so you might, it, it, it's hilarious in, in one sense of the word that you, one family can watch the three stooges and have just a cut up laughing time while another family, there's no way you're going to be able to watch it. And you're sitting there as a parent going, really, we can't watch the three stooges. I know. Well, even within a family, right? So like you kind of have to go by your lowest common denominator, right? So we have kids that can handle it. We have kids that don't. And so it becomes not even like a family thing. It becomes a kid by kid. How do we do the best for everyone? What does that look like? So, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Number two, we're going to be looking at uh, drugs and alcohol. Like if they're being consumed, if they're being used. And again, how real is that? And I think, again, it's it's one of those duh ones. But again, the, the, the mindset, again, is not protecting our children from seeing this stuff. They might've already, the the issue is they probably have already been exposed to people abusing these substances. And so how real and graphic is that? And where is that going to put them when they go back to it? Because even our teens, there are a lot of movies that might show alcohol or drugs being used. And even if it's a, like an after school special and it's a positive, like they're, they're using it for education and it's a, it's a positive overall thing how graphic is it? Cause that's going to take them back to what they've experienced and what, what they've seen. Sexual content. Uh, again, it's the same thing. What it, what are we seeing here? And is it going to throw them back to, uh, where they've been? And, and even with our kids, so many kids have been sexually abused that have, that are been in the foster care system. Not only is that going to trigger them, but some of our kids are having to overcome things because sexually they're older than their chronological age so is this going to be something where if they see it is it going to be a stumbling block for them and it's going to reintroduce habits and different feelings that they've maybe had under control through counseling and now all of a sudden it's bringing up opening up a whole can of worms and we're having to go back through step one and and try to figure stuff out completely just some new things to think about you know some of the stuff I'll, i'll let them download the list and think about but one thing I did want to mention was number five is will the media cause your child to have an adrenaline rush? And that's been something I don't even remember where I learned it from, but I know that Margie and I were, were at a training or, or maybe we were speaking with a counselor. I don't remember, but it was an aha moment for me, just really profound because they were talking about just how adrenaline rushes that can be chemically can set your brain and your body up 
to remember a time when you had an adrenaline rush in the past. And your body isn't necessarily going to differentiate between that was a good adrenaline rush and that was a bad adrenaline rush. So if you were physically abused, for example, or, or beaten, you had an adrenaline rush to fight for your life. Let's use another example. You're watching a movie that's, that's a lot of action and it's on the edge of your seat and you're having another adrenaline rush. Or, or even Christmas time, you're, you're waiting for the presents the next day. That could be an adrenaline rush. And I've actually, that's how it was explained to me is why some of our kiddos might um, sabotage a holiday because they have that adrenaline rush and their body unconsciously is triggering and remembering times when they were fighting for their lives because it's the same chemicals that are in play. So that's something that we, it was just an aha moment for us. Um, We've had some kiddos in our home where we did, we had to, you know, like the latest superhero movie was coming out. We didn't watch it. Um, with that kid in the house because they the, the adrenaline is too much for them. That that I think is something new for people to really think about. And probably the other one that I would that I would go to is and it's gonna sound weird, but of course the foster parents saying this, but how I have on number nine there, are foster and adoptive parents portrayed in a bad light? And I think for for a lot of people, maybe on the outside looking in, they're thinking, well, of course the foster dad is upset about this one. But here's the thing is, uh, I'll give an example. We had a book that was suggested to us um, by several different people that we should review and put on our Transfiguring Adoption website. I ended up reading the children's book and it was about It was about uh, an orphanage. There's a little girl in the orphanage. The little girl wanted to be adopted. And of course, the lady that owned the orphanage was like a mean Miss Hannigan type person that was horrible to all the kids. And so she ran away into the desert and the deputy from town who they portrayed as a bumbling idiot and he didn't know his left from his right went out to the desert to find her. And he, every time he would get in trouble and this little girl would come out of nowhere and save him, but he would, he's such an idiot. He would be like, I saved you. And at the end of the book, it was her idea to, that he should adopt all of them. So throughout it, you see the little girl having to take care of things and take care of the adults. And and the the adults are either mean cutthroats or they're bumbling idiots. Um, And and through that, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, what am I teaching my kiddo from a hard place that, that they didn't have adults in their life that could handle the situation or were having issues with handling the situations? They need to know someone, can't, they, someone is safe and someone does have their back. They don't have to worry about it. And this book is reinforcing, no, I, I really do have to, the adults are all, they, they don't know what's going on and I have to step up my game like this little girl and, and be there. Um, so I think that's, it may seem like I have an agenda with that one, but I really don't with that point. It's really, I think it's just an unconscious thing that it, it's reinforcing for our kids. And, and a lot, some of our kids that are in foster care have trouble trusting the adults anyway. So why would we give the media that's reinforcing that? Yeah, you do need to mistrust the adults. Yeah. We had a church situation where our pastor said something well-meaning in the middle of a sermon. Fortunately, our older kids who struggled the most with some of these issues weren't there, but it was, it triggered us so much. My husband actually stood up in the middle of church and like had a conversation about it because literally if our kids had been there and heard him say what he had said, we would have had, I mean, it would have set us back days, months, years of things that we were, paradigms we were trying to reinstill, correct in our kids. It would have caused rages. It would have, 
I mean, it just would have been, I mean, so detrimental to our relationship and to the stability of our family and, um, and people just don't know. And so sometimes we stumble into these things unknowing. Um, but if, if there's something that can kind of keep us from going there, if we don't have to, then that's, that's huge. Right. No. And it's, it's, I feel like with all, again, it's, it's a moving target. So this list is things that you're looking for and you're just switching the way you're looking for things. I feel like it's so much with like TBRI and different things like that. It's parenting, but it's parenting. You're, you're looking at things in a different light. You're looking at things through a different lens. So you are parenting. You are, you know, you're having these experiences with your kids and you are protecting them. It's just, you're looking at it from a different way of how you're protecting or how you're walking through things. And there's just so much more of a relationship building experience there than you normally might do with just sitting in front of the TV or, or playing a video game and just, you might even just be setting it up for it to be babysitting. This is, this is asking for relationship. So Transfiguring Adoption has this really cool new service for adoptive and foster parents that does kind of trauma-informed foster and adoption-minded reviews for media that help us identify these things so that we don't have to watch every little thing that our child wants to watch and so we don't have to watch the YouTuber, right? What is included in these reviews? What have you provided to parents in terms of what to look for and then how to process? Yeah, so I'll just tell you right now that our reviewers um, even are amazing. We have um, folks that are either professionals in the industry, uh, the foster care adoption industry, so they're, they're trauma-informed, or we even have former foster youth or adult adoptees that they've lived this stuff, and they're actually reading a book saying, no, that would trauma, like, that would completely trigger me. Things that you're going to be getting with the service are you're going to be getting a comprehensive review um, which is phenomenal because it's going to be, we, we, first of all, we start everything with a grade, just like Rotten Tomatoes. So many people are familiar with Rotten Tomatoes for movies. We go through and we have a hoot system because we have an owl for a logo. So we have one to five hoots and we're going to give it a grade on how it's going to impact and be beneficial for your family, your foster or adoptive family. And then we're going to go through our reviewers going to do a comprehensive review of that. So they're going to find the trauma triggers, but they're also going to find out what are the positive discussion points in there? Because some something we, we don't want it to be negative because some of these are some of these media are, are, are gold mines for us to connect with our kids. And again, we just might not see what we don't know or what we don't just aren't picking up on. So we're gonna have that for that's gonna be in our 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 mid-tier subscription services. You're gonna get all that, everything that you need to have a conversation with your kids or to find trauma triggers, uh, figure out if it's something you should be avoiding or going to go see or, or experiencing together. Our, our higher tier folks, we're, we're going to take all the work out completely for them. So for people like me that are busy, our reviewers, after they review everything, they go through and they make a whole discussion guide, question by question, uh, through the piece of media. And then they don't just give you a question to ask your child, they explain why you're doing this. Because um, I, I was telling them, like, there are times that I've had discussion guides or things like Bible studies or something like that we should go through with our kids. And I'm like, why are we asking that question? <laughs> like, they're actually, like, these people have lived through this stuff or they're trauma-informed. So I don't have to be an expert. I can have these guys tell me, this is why you're talking to your child about this. This is what you're looking for, for them to talk about. Um, and maybe even if they start talking about blah, blah, blah. 
you need to maybe, you know, talk to their counselor or work with their therapist on some things. Once a month, we are going on a Facebook secret Facebook group page and our top tier members are allowed to come in there and talk with a reviewer because we, we can't, like we were talking about, fa- different families, different kids are going to have different needs. So that's their time to actually sit down with the reviewer and say, all right, we were thinking about Dumbo. This wasn't talked about in the review. Here's our situation. What do you think? Um, and then we'll be able to work with them um, and figure out how for them to best bond and connect over this. Awesome. 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 I think this is such a huge piece of the puzzle for all of the different things as adoptive and foster parents, we kind of have to be on the lookout for and you guys are making it a lot easier for us. So thank you for that. And there is also, you guys have some free content on your site as well. Some just basic stuff. So everyone needs to go um, check it out. How can people find out more about the subscription service or just even get a free, you have like a free e-packet to people can download as well. So what we were talking about, actually, so you're going to go to www, for those that are old school internet still, www.transfiguringadoption.com forward slash subscribe. Uh, That's going to get you to the page. It's going to show you all of our tiers, different information. If you sign, even for our, right now, when we're doing uh, this, we have a free tier right now. That's going to change uh, toward the end of 2019. We're going to be upping it just to a low flat rate of like $5. But right now you can get in for free on our basic subscription. That's going to give you our grade. It's going to give you access to all of our lists so you can actually find books and movies and video games that that might relate to foster care and adoption because I know those are hard to find sometimes. Um, And you're going to see what our grades are on those and you're going to get a brief synopsis of each. That's at our free tier. And, and no matter what tier you sign up for, whether it's our, our standard tier is $5 a month, the premium tier is $12 a month, and you get all the things, including conversations with the, uh, the reviewer once a month, we give you a free e-packet. And, and the 10 media triggers that we were talking about, how to find those, that's a part of that packet. And we, the whole packet is amazing because it goes through um, and it talks about what is a media trigger, how are you going to look for them? What happens if you find one? Um, different things like that. So it really gives you a whole arsenal and tools to figure out how to engage with your child and better walk through life with them. Perfect. Well, we will have a link for that. I know some of you are driving, doing dishes, running kids around, all the things. So the link for that will be in the show notes um, where you can connect with Transfiguring Adoption. You guys are on social media, you know, where you can check out the freebies and subscribe. Um, so again, Darren, thank you so much for being here with us. This is a really fun topic and one that I know is really relevant to a lot of families. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that interview, Melissa. What a unique service they're offering to families. I think it's great. Yeah, it really hits, again, a problem we're all struggling with, but no one's ever really had a solution for. So I love that. Right. So funny thing, when I was listening to the interview, it reminded me of a story that's not really trauma related, but is just media and adoption related. Uh, When my kids came home, one of my daughters wanted to take dance lessons. So we signed her up for dance classes and their very first song in the dance recital was Hard Knock Life from Annie. 
<laughs> my daughter hardly understood English, and she would go around the house singing, it's a hard knock life for us, you know, and no one cares for you a smidge when you live in an orphanage. I was just horrified, but I couldn't tell her, oh, no, you're not going to be in dance class. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny story now, but at the time, I just could not even believe it. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, there's just so much irony there, right? Yes. <laughs> So if you'd like to connect with Darren and Transfiguring Adoption, you can find him at Transfigure Adopt. And it's Transfigure without an E. We'll have all the links in the show notes, so no worries. You'll also be able to connect with their service. Another reason to head to the show notes is we have a download for you there that Darren made, and it's called 10 Questions for Discovering Media Triggers, Which Hurt Foster or Adoptive Kids. And we were able to talk about a couple of those in the interview, but we didn't have time to get to all 10. So in order to get a complete set of questions and something you can just stick in your planner or tack on your refrigerator, head to theadoptionconnection.com slash 59. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.